Good morning, Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Parsha Semar, Tovshin, Pei Gimel, and a few days before Lag Bomer. Welcome to all those joining us for Likutei Halochais, Yoredea Chelek Beis, Hilchais Malamdim, Halocha Beis, in middle of the paragraph. There are no numbers here. We're up to a subparagraph. We dedicate the learning today, Le'ilu Nishmas, Yosef ben Leib Kopel, Amalia, whose yard site is today on the 14th of year, and Le'ilu Nishmas, Miriam Bas Yosef Clara, whose yard site is tomorrow on Shabbos, and Le'ilu Nishmas, Mordechai ben Rochel, whose yard site is on Monday, on the 17th of year. And for a complete refuah shalema for all those that need it, including Tzvi Shalom ben Rita Beverly, Chaviva Chana Basgalia, Ruven Mordechai ben Chana, Dvoira Gila Simcha Baschava, Boruch Mordechai ben Tali, Soraleya Baschavaliba, Avigail Brocha Bashira Dvoira, Chana Basora, Hillel Yisrael ben Sora, Mechem Yizalman ben Sorafega, Hillel ben Brachanachama, Michal Esther bas Ruhia, David Leib ben Shena, Shlomanisim ben Mazel, Avram David ben Chana, Sorigitl bas Hanariva, Miriam Esther bas Sorigitl, Nisim ben Rivka, Chaim Arya ben Brocha, Chaim ben Rachel, Choiva bas Chavaperel, Idis bas Miriam Brindle, Michal Sora bas Hadassa, Gitaganendel bas Sipoira, Lebalea bas Sipoira, Tuviet Svi ben Chayaliza, Vigalona bas Yospendel, Sarocha bas Yospendel, Yehudis Ruchoma bas Chavarus, Betzawel Yichiel Michel ben Tchiachava, Gila bas Brocha, David ben Behia Shendel bas Leia, Behia bas Yabashendel, Yisrael ben Chanalea, Yelet Shoshana bas Chanalea, Eliana Golda bas Chanafega, Yaakov Yehoshua ben Freindel Rechel, Shimon Eliezer ben Rochel, Ami ben Chai ben Yehudis Gila, This halacha was based on chapter 7 in the second half of Likut Imran, and Rav Nosanzal continues, And now we understand that Hashem gives us a commandment regarding the entire Torah, the entire Judaism, that you should inform your children and your grandchildren. Because this pretty much summarizes the entire Torah, the entire Yiddishkeit. It's all about these two major levels, the son and the grandson, which correspond to the son and the student that Rabbi Nezal speaks about the only Kutimrana, which we discussed a lot in the previous year. That sums up the entire Torah in a certain sense. And this is why the Pasuk says, leading up to that, Be very careful not to forget the Torah. 
And then it says, And inform, enlighten your children and grandchildren. Because by a person teaching their children and grandchildren, which represent the concept of a child and a student, which represent the upper world and lower world, as we discussed, which represent the concept of the, the soul and the body, which is what makes up a human life. It's a combination of a soul and body. Through this, the person will be saved from forgetting. Forgetting means that a person's consciousness leaves them regarding something. Just like in death, the neshama leaves the person. Death means that there's no longer that unification and that connection between upper and lower, between the soul and the body. And this again explains why Toysvis comments on this statement about teaching a person's children and grandchildren, where the Gemara says, that in, in a family, if the person and his son and his grandson are the Torah will no longer leave that family ever. So Toysvis adds, this is on condition that they see each other, that the grandfather and the son and the grandson get to see each other. Because this is what really completes the whole thing when they see each other. And both the son and the grandson are both zeichet to be able to receive and draw from the grandfather, shehu bechinas hazokein, who is the elder, sheboi nechlolin shneihem yachad elyon v'tachdan ben v'talmid, whereby it's in the grandfather that both of these come together, upper and lower, the son and the student, as Rabbi Nezal shows there on the Kutimaram, that it's by the tzaddik, the tzaddik has the combination of both of these, and then when all three of these join together, which are the son and the grandson, which represent the son and the student, and both of those two join together and merge together in the grandfather, Shehu Avi Avihem, who is the father of the father, and the grandfather draws from the light of Keser, which is referred to as grandfather, that's where all of these come together as one, then everything joins together and everything becomes completely whole, and now it becomes a triple-stranded rope. 
because they join together, they merge together completely, like a, like a rope that's woven together, that's bound, bound together properly. It becomes one. When, when the son and the grandson, who's the student, when they join together at their source, which is the grandfather, there they all merge together. Because as Rabbi Nezal shows in Likut Imran, up there on the top, there, upper and lower are all one. Ben and Talmud are all one. By, by the grandfather, by the tzaddik. And then by all of this coming together, upper and lower, joining together and uniting in this way, that's what guarantees that the Torah will remain forever in that family. Because as Rabbi Nassau shows over there in Likut Imran, this is what really guarantees and ensures the permanence of the Torah and the Das. When Ben, when there's both Ben and Talmud, and when they are able to be merged together perfectly. This is the theme that Rabbi Nassau presents, one of the main things that Rabbi Nassau presents in that chapter in Likut Imran, Torah Zion where once again he quotes the Gemara, the Gemara in Baba Basra, which speaks about a person leaving the world and not leaving a replacement for themselves. And Rabbi Nassau stresses there in that chapter that it's extremely important for a Jew to be living in both worlds at the same time. Like Dovra Melech asked Hashem, Ogura ba'oholcha oilamim. Hashem, allow me to live in your tent in worlds, plural, oilamim. And, and the Gemara says that this means that even after a person passes away, while they were living in this world, they, were, they made sure to, to inject their das, their recognition of Hashem, their faith in Hashem, and their knowledge of Torah, to pass it on either to a child, to a ben, to a son, or to a student. There are two opinions in the Gemara. And Rabbi Nezal expounds on this and clarifies it tremendously, tremendously. And then he goes on to show how the son and student represent upper and lower. And he shows how it's, it's very important for each one and how each one has certain unique qualities and attributes that the other one doesn't have. And he says, therefore, it's important for them to share, to, to draw from each other, that the son should draw from the student and the student should draw from the son and they should merge together in that way. And then he goes on to show how the tzaddik, the tzaddik is the one who combines both. We always say that we have that pasuk, l'cha Hashem ha-gedula v'ha-gvura v'ha-tiferes v'ha-netzach v'ha-hoid, i-choyl ba-shamayim After hoid comes yesoid. Where's the yesoid? The answer is the words ki-choyl abigematria yesoid, ki-choyl ba-shamayim the Yisoid, which is the Tzaddik, the Tzaddik is Bashamayim Mavoritz. He's the one who brings together both. He's the one who can reach out to both 
and 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 they become one in they are one inside of him inside of its tzaddik. Baruch Hashem li'olam, Amen v'Amen. Any questions, please? Once again, the chapter in Mikut Imran that this halacha was based on is a major, major production. It's maybe 10 pages with a lot of, lot of explanation. Rav Nosanzal's building the halacha on that. The more that a person knows the Torah in Mikut Imran, the more they can have a much stronger, clearer understanding of the halacha. Now we go on to halacha Gimel which is again based on a major chapter in Likut Imran, chapter 54. The says that just like a father is commanded to teach his son Torah, so too he has an obligation to teach his grandson. This halacha will be based on this halacha will be based on chapter 54 in Likutim Ran. The Haklau, Rav Nosan Zal is going to try to capsulize the major highlights in that Torah that relate to our discussion. A person has to really, really ensure that their memory is working well and properly. Which memory? What? What? Here we're talking about a person connecting to the to the other world, to the future world. We know that our souls originate from up there, from under the Kisya Kovid, under the throne of Hashem. The Gemara tells us that when a child is about to come into the world. Right before the child leaves the mother's womb, an angel, during the time that the child is in the mother's womb, the child has an angel teaching him the entire Torah. So the child, in a sense, is in Olam Haba. He's in Gan Eden. He's up there with the stars. Right before the child exits and comes into this world, the angel flicks them over here. That's this indentation that people have above the upper lip. <clears throat> And the child forgets everything they've learned. And they, the, the child is made to swear that they're going to do whatever they can to restore that knowledge, to search for and restore and return all of that that they forgot. Question, why are we being taught all of this if we're going to forget it a minute later? The answer is because once we learned it, now when we search for it, when we find it, there's that deja vu. There's that feeling somewhere deep inside that this is familiar. I know this. I learned this once before. Some people can feel that more and some people feel it less. But it, that's what makes it easier for a person to connect to the Torah and to be able to learn the Torah and absorb it. And Rabbi Nassau says the Likutiman that our mission in coming into this world most people, <clears throat> the moment they come into this world, they see the, the big, big world around them and they forget completely where they came from and they forget where they're going, that we're in this world temporarily and we're scheduled, all of us are scheduled to leave this world at a certain time 
And our mission is to try to get back up there, to try to get back up to Olam Haba, to Gan Eden. And in order to do that, in order to be able to succeed in this mission, a person has to be conscious of it the whole time. That's this concept of to be always connected, even though I'm physically in this world, my mind, my thoughts, my focus is on the future world. In order for a person to be able to hold on to this memory, to be able to always remember the, the future world, remember what my mission is in this world, the person has to be very, very careful not to fall into the evil eye. And Rabbi Nassau expounds on this over there in that Torah. The evil eye has several different meanings. It could mean looking negatively at, at other people, looking negatively at things going on in my life. Nothing is good. Never had a good day. Today's, I'm having, today's a bad day. That person is a bad person. All of this could be in the category of Ra'ayin. And Ra'ayin could also be people looking at me with evil intent. People who are jealous of me, people who don't like me, and for whatever reason are looking at me with negativity. That's this Ra'ayin. Shehu Misas Halev, which is which is related to a dead heart. And over there in Likudimran, Rabbi Nislav brings psukim to support all of this. We have the pasuk, Ule Zikaroin Bein Einecha, referring to tefillin. Zikaroin, Zikaroin means to remember, Bein Einecha, between your eyes. That the ability to remember what I need to remember is dependent on the eyes, the toivayin versus the ra'ayin. And Rabbi Nezal brings also psukim, nishkachti kames milev, that shikha is defined by the dead, dead, deadness of the heart. Shehi bechinas shikha, vegam tzrichin tzorech lishmore soayin mi koyach Rabbi Nezal also explains there that a person has to guard their eyes from the koyach Koyach again, means a variety of things. It means confusion. It means judging something incorrectly. A person looks in a distance, they see something, they think it's X, but it's really Y. <clears throat> Sometimes certain things could look similar. Something could look very good and it's really very bad. And the opposite, sometimes something looks like a terrible thing and it's really a good thing. And the koyach is that blurriness, that confusion, that lack of clarity. And Rabbi Nezal shows there that even a person who is not, doesn't have this ra'ayin, they still have to be very, very careful regarding the koyach Rabbi Nezal shows there in the Kutimran that one of the things that strengthens this koyach hamedame, this lack of clarity, and, and the koyach hamedame could also mean the yetzahara, the evil inclination, is speaking loshen hara, speaking bad about another person. He ha koyach hamedame, hu koyach habehemius, hainu taivas habehemius. 
Rabbi Nassau explains over there that another term for koyach hamedame, another definition of koyach hamedame is the animal inside of us, the animal instinct. Because the difference between human and animal is supposed to be that a human is supposed to have a higher level of intellect. A human being understands something better. An animal does not understand. An animal has some dust. There's Pavlov's theory. There's a concept where an animal sees something repeated many times. If it knows that when a certain bell goes off, food is going to be put in front of them, or they have to, the animal has to go to a certain place to get its food, an animal can be trained to do that. But generally, human beings are a higher level seichel. So the seichel, this, the koyach hamedame is referred to as the behemius. And the Gemara tells us that the koyach hamedame, another word for koyach hamedame is sitra achra, klipois, shedim. They were all created on Erev Shabbos, on the sixth day of creation, right before Shabbos, Bein Hashmoshes, when it was twilight. It was in between weekday and Shabbos. Rabbein Azal shows there in the Kutimran that therefore this Koyach Hamedame affects especially people who are learning Halacha. Because in the study of halacha, the, the, the books on halacha cannot possibly include every type of scenario. So in order for a person to learn halacha properly, a person has to learn the Gemara, the Shulchan Aruch, learn what it says in the books of halacha, and be able to understand the concepts behind it, the logic why it is this way and how it is this way, in order that when somebody presents a certain situation to me, which is not identical to this, but it's similar enough, I know that this is similar, X is similar to Y, and therefore the halacha would be the, the same, the same as for X, the same as for Y, that kind of thing. The whole concept of a paisik and halacha very often is a person who has this birur hamedame where his knowledge of Torah is such a level of clarity that he has all the basic logic that he needs and all the basic information so that when somebody presents something to him that's not in the book, he knows exactly what to compare it to and what not to compare it to. Because very often, two people will hear something and somebody say, oh, that's exactly like this. And therefore, the law is that it's permissible. And another person who has more knowledge or clearer knowledge will say, that's not true, you're making a mistake. You didn't realize that even though these two things seem similar, there's a very important difference between them that affects the law, that affects the halacha. And therefore, the halacha is not like that. The halacha is differently. I mentioned an example many times with my Rebbe, Rav Rosenfeld, that he was a poisek, very, very thoroughly knowledgeable in all facets of Torah, and a student of his who had just started becoming a student who was not yet Shomer Shabbos, started coming to the Shurim, and, and the student's father passed away. And he asked Rav Rosenfeld, what do I do? And he told him that for seven days now, you have to stay home. 
It's called sitting shiva, not going to work, not going out of the house, the basic things. He said, what about Shabbos? Same thing, Shabbos, same thing. This person ended up telling this to someone else who had learned halacha, and this person thought, wow, what, what kind of rabbi would, would tell you? That rabbi is far from being a rabbi because any child knows that you don't sit shiva on Shabbos. And they went to a, a leading place. They went to Rabbi Moshe Feinstein, Zechernavrach at the time, who was recognized as one of the highest authorities of halacha in the United States and possibly in the world. And they said to him, is there any opinion that says that you sit shiva on Shabbos? He said, no, not that I know of. So they told me, because there's a rabbi who told somebody to sit shiva on Shabbos. Who's the rabbi? They told him who the rabbi was. He said, if he said it, if he said it, you better find out why he said because he knows the halacha like I know the halacha. And they went back and found out that it was very simple, very simple. Because this student was not yet Shomer Shabbos, had he told him that you do not sit Shiva on Shabbos, he would have gotten into his car and gone to work or go shot do whatever he did. Sitting Shiva for this person meant staying home, not going to work, not getting in the car. That was the first Shabbos that this student observed in his lifetime in honor of his father had passed away. Imagine what a gift that was. Now here again, you go to a rabbi, you ask him, do you sit Shiva on Shabbos? No, of course not. But you have to know you have to know the circumstances, and you have to know exactly how it applies to each and every person. There's another very important concept that my Rebbe taught us, that when a person, very often a person goes to ask Shaila, they go to a rabbi, is this, is, is this permissible? Is this kosher? Yep. Person goes, okay, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start eating this or using it. Then they talk to a student of this rabbi, and he says, why are you eating that? He says, because I asked the rabbi, and he said, he said it's kosher. Yeah, but I know that that Rav doesn't eat this at all. He would never touch this with a 10-foot bowl. Yeah, but I asked him and he said, I don't know what you're talking about. I asked him, he said, it's kosher. There are two ways of asking a Shilas sometimes. One way of asking is, is this permissible? Is this kosher? Another way of asking is, would you eat this? Would you do this? And those are two completely, completely different ways of asking a question. And depending on how serious a person is, depending on what a person is looking for, if a person is looking to have things easier, to, that everything should be permissible and everything should be kosher, then they ask a question a certain way. And if a person is looking to do the right, the best thing, person wants to have the best, just like in Gashmias, in materialism, sometimes people are always look, is there a better one? It, what do you mean? But it costs more. No problem. I want the better one. And when it comes to religion, a person's looking just to get, but what's the minimum? What's the minimum? A, a person who's really sincere isn't looking for the minimum. There's a, there's a quotation in, in Hebrew and in Yiddish. There's an expression, I want to be yoytze. I want to fulfill the basic obligation, that kind of thing. And, and I believe it's Rav Nosenzal who once said, if a person wants to be yoytze, they become a yoytze menadas. A person who's looking to do the minimum that they need in terms of religious observance, that person loses their mind, you know, that, that kind of thing. It's not the preferred attitude. Although again, here you have to know who you're dealing with. That when a person is first starting to become religious, we don't throw everything at them and we don't throw them the strictest opinion. 
there sometimes we have to be lenient, more lenient, in order because to be able to, for the person gradually to adjust, to, to become religious. But uh, each person needs to be judged properly. Any questions? I see a question in the chat about the connection, the relationship between Lashon Hara and Koyach HaMedameh. In chapter 54, Yes. Rabbeinu Salvier in paragraph five quotes a post. He says that the Koyach HaMedame is referred to as Koyach HaBehemius. Because again, an animal, the level of intellect of an animal is called Medame, that kind of thing. It's not the clear intellect of a human being. It's Medame. An animal can compare things to other things sometimes. And, and we say that, therefore, medame, compared to seichel, medame is referred to as foolishness, a much lower level intellect. And there's a pasuk in Mishlei, moitzi diba huksil, that a person who speaks what they shouldn't speak, a person who speaks lashnahara, diba is another word for lashnahara, that person is a fool, ksil. Ksil, again, is behema. Xil is behema, which is medame. So Rabbi Nezal shows there how chas v'shom, speaking Lashon Hara, makes a person a candidate for koyach ha-medame. A question, does, does Rabbi Nezal say what makes a person speak Lashon Hara in the first place? It seems more logical to say that that Koach Hamedame that, that Koach Hamedame brings a person to Lashon Hara. The answer is the Gemara says that they once asked the snake. Hashem had cursed the snake originally because the snake is the one that got Adam and Chava to eat from the Eitzadas. That Ofar Toichal Kol Everything you eat is going to taste like dirt. This was the curse given to the snake. So the question was asked, if that's the case, when a snake, when an animal, when a lion bites into the flesh of an animal, the lion has pleasure. The lion enjoys the taste of meat, the blood, et cetera, et cetera. <clears throat> but a snake doesn't get any pleasure. <clears throat> it doesn't taste any different if they bite into a, a human flesh, or they're eating dirt. So why would, you, why would you hurt the human being? Why would you kill the human being? If it's not going to give you any pleasure, you're not going to derive any pleasure. And the, respect, the, the response of the snake was, what pleasure does a person who speaks Lashon Hara get? What benefit do you get from making somebody else look bad? That kind of thing. There's a lot, a lot written about this in the Gemara. There's 
Sforim, the, the, the Chofetz Chaim is famous for Shmira Saloshay. <clears throat> this isn't the, the time to go into this fully, but this is one of the very, very important things for us to, to plead with Hashem and to work on ourselves to avoid speaking negatively about a Jew, about Eretz Yisrael, about a shul, anything, any, any object of holiness. Continuing inside, the Alkain who Shoira Alpi Hashoina Halochis. And therefore, <clears throat> this Koya Hamedame, these Klipois, these forces of Tuma, rest especially on a mouth that's learning Halocha. Because again, Halocha requires this ability to be Medame Milsa La Milsa, to be able to compare one thing to another. <clears throat> and in Halocha, in the learning of Halocha, there's always a variety of opinions. This one says yes, this one says no. This one says you're allowed, this one says you're not allowed. And a person learning halacha has to be able to study these opinions and to be able to learn how we make the decision, how we decide which opinion is the right one, which is the opinion that we follow. The alkane, kishahim mechach and therefore, when those people who are learning halacha, when they come up with a new psak, a, a new scenario and a new decision, very often the person who comes up with this psak writes a, a whole explanation how they came to this conclusion, how they were able to derive that this question that's being asked is similar to another issue that's discussed in the Gemara over here and over there and over here. And by putting together the logic that we find in these three or four places in the Gemara, we'll be able to know what the right decision is regarding this question. So a person reading this sometimes, it looks beautiful. Because these chidushim are coming from Koyach HaMedama. Oh, so now Rabbi Nezal says, there are some people who are zeichet to halacha kamoisoi. There are some people who are zeichet to come up with the right answers. And there are some people who come up with the wrong answers. And sometimes they'll write a whole explanation how they came to this. And to a person who has minimal knowledge or medium, mediocre knowledge, they look, wow, he's such a great route. Look what he wrote. Look at this explanation. 15 pages explaining how he came to this decision, and he's quoting Gemaras and Toysfis and other things. And you get a person who's much more learned, they look at this, he's not, he's misquoting, he's misinterpreting. That's not what Toysfis said at all. He misread it and he misinterpreted, etc., etc. So Rabbi Nezal writes there that sometimes to a layman, it, it's Chiddush Noam Eskabel. Wow, it's, it makes perfect sense and they accept it. Because sometimes these chidushim are coming from koyach hamedame, the sitra which has the ability to ape the kedusha, to make believe that it's almost that it's the same thing or it's almost the same thing. However, medame is generally a mixture of good and bad. Unfortunately, by these people the bad is much stronger than the good. And therefore, Rabbein Azal goes on to show there in the Kutimran, these chidushim, 
that are coming from these people who are learning halacha, but unfortunately by them, the koyach hamedame is, is stronger than their, than their true knowledge. And, and unfortunately, their chidushim can damage the parnasa of Jewish people. Just a moment. Exactly, Rabbeinu Zalvir in paragraph above shows that because again, this concept of good and bad that we're speaking about here appears also in Paroi's dream. Seven good-looking cows, seven ugly cows. Seven good-looking stalks of grain, seven ugly ones. And the ugly ones swallow up the good ones. And Yosvat Sadik interpreted to be seven years of plentifulness of Parnassa, of Shefa, and seven years of famine. So when there's a problem with the Medame, when the Medame is being treated, is, is being dealt with improperly, when a person's misinterpreting the Torah, that causes chas v'shom, a, a lack of Parnassa. And Rabbein Azal shows there in Likud Yemaran that in order to subdue and weaken and defeat this this sitrachra, it requires the hand. There's a adame. The hand of the Nevi'im that it's the Yad that can overpower the Medame. And Rabbi Nezal shows the Likudimran that this refers to joy and happiness. This refers to the hand that's used in playing most musical instruments, whether it's a guitar, whether it's a flute, whether it's a, the, the wind instruments, or it's referring to that hand, which represents simcha, the, the 10 fingers on the hands, which correspond to the 10 types of song. Alei osor va'alei novel, alei higoyen bechinar ki simachtani Hashem befolecho. Rabbi Nezal says there, this refers to musical instruments which are played with the hand usually. And the Torah tells us that when a Navi wanted to receive prophecy, a clear message from Hashem, they would have music played by, for them. The, the Pasuk says, by Elisha Navi, and it was when the musician played the music, the divine spirit of Hashem came to Elisha Novi. Because Rabbi Nezal goes on to explain there, music, a song, requires selection. It requires selection. There's eight musical notes, octave, do, re, mi, fa, sol, those that studied music. And in order to put together a song, you have to choose notes and skip notes. And when a wrong note gets in, when accidentally a person is playing a musical instrument and they don't play well, and they're, they, they're doing two, a few of the notes are right, and then they put in a wrong note, it sounds horrible. It messes up the whole song. 
So the whole concept of, of with the hand playing these musical instruments requires a selection of the Ruach Toiva, the good Ruach, from the bad Ruach. The Ruach Nevoah, which is holy Ruach, from Atzvus Ruach. That's the terminology used in the Torah. Ayin Shom Kol Zehete. Study that chapter in Likutim Ran well. It's one of Rabbein Azal's major productions, and, and it's written, Rabbein Azal there elaborates very, very much in explaining all of these concepts. Continuing still from the Likute Maran, the Avshalom, David Amelech's son Avshalom, Shehoyoloi Ra'ayim, who had an evil eye, he was jealous. He looked with an evil eye at the kingdom of his father, and he couldn't wait for his father to pass away. He want, while his father was living, he wanted to take away the kingdom from as he rebelled, staged a major rebellion against Dovid Amelech. Therefore, the Zikoroin was damaged because we learned earlier that the Zikoroin, the ability to remember, is tied into the eyes. And the Gemara tells us, therefore, Avshalom never had a son. Zohar is Miloshin Zikoroin. Vialkein, Gozru Hamitzrim, Shehim Bechinas Medame, Bechinas Paroi, Alkein Gozru Al Haschorim Daiko. And Rabbein Asal goes on to show there in the Kutimran that this is why Paroi's decree was every male child that's born, throw him into the river. The decree was against the Zohorim because Paroi and Egypt are Koya Hamedame, as Rabbein Azal shows over there in Likutim Aran. Shehu Bechinas Zikoroin Shenivgam Alidei Koya Hamedame. This concept of throwing the male children into the river, killing them, is a concept of this, the damaging the, the Zikoroin. The Koya Hamedame damaging the Zikoroin. Shehu Bechinas Paroi Mitzrayim, Paroi Mitzrayim are this Koya Hamedame. That's why they issued that decree. The Yosef, and Yosef, who is the tzaddik, he's the one who has the ability to defeat the medame. As it says there, the Yosef Yosef will place his hand on your eyes. This is connecting the different concepts we mentioned earlier about the eyes, the toivayin versus the ra'ayin, and the hand, the hand, the biyad hanaviyah madame, the hand that's able to defeat the madame and be able to bring forth the zikorin dikdusha. This is Rav Nosenzal summarizing the, the Likudim Ran, and now Rav Nosenzal begins his explanation. With this, we'll have a new insight into this concept of teaching of what my son and my grandson. The Torah has warned us and instructed us to teach our children Torah. And the main obligation in terms of teaching Torah, applies to the male children, to the sons. 
Because with a person's daughter, it's forbidden to teach Torah to a daughter. Now, a person reading this line, oh, Rav Nassim Zal is saying, not allowed to teach a daughter halacha. You have, that's why you have to be extremely careful when you're learning any safer to, to understand what he means. It's like the Gemara says in Soita, page 20. If you look at the Gemara there, the Gemara there is speaking about teaching Gemara to girls, teaching girls the type of svara that's mentioned in the Gemara, which they don't need, and that could harm them, chas v'shalom. But halacha, yirashamayim, things like that, of course women need to know. The women are the ones who are spending the time with the children first, before the father, as the child starts growing up. It's only with a person's sons that the person has this obligation to teach the son all facets of Torah. Because the Torah is this is the book that that reminds us, that teaches us to remember the future world, to remember what we're doing down here in this world. To attach my, my thoughts, my mind, to the future world. That's what the whole Torah is all about. Because the whole purpose for Hashem giving us the Torah and every single one of the mitzvahs of the Torah is all about this. It's all about the future world. So that we'll be to live the type of life where we'll be to get into the, to, to be part of the next world. Because the Gemara tells us that reward for Torah and mitzvahs is not available in this world. It doesn't exist. This world doesn't have enough pleasure, enough goodness to reward a person for the smallest mitzvah. It's only in the future world. Which the Gemara defines as a world which is only good and it's eternal forever. So therefore, any person who's studying Torah properly and fulfilling the mitzvahs, that person is attaching their brain to the future world, that they're making this important connection with the future world. That's this remembering that we spoke about, to remember where you came from and to remember where you're going, where you want to go. And this is why we find the Torah warns us, don't forget, don't forget the Torah. Be careful that you shouldn't forget those things that your eyes witness. Especially that day when you stood before Hashem by Har Sinai. And as the Pesach says, you will remember all the mitzvahs of Hashem. That the mitzvahs are all about giving us this ability to remember what we need to remember. 
the Iker who has Ikarim. Because the most important thing here is this ability to remember, remember what I'm doing in this world, what life is really all about. It's all about attaching your brain to the future world, living in the future. In other words, thinking every day, not that my main occupation isn't, what am I going to have for breakfast? What am I for lunch? What dress am I buying? What coat am I buying? My main occupation is, what am I going to do today to forward my goal, my real goal, to ensure my place in Olam Haba? to ensure that I'm fulfilling my mission in this world. Even though the Gemara says, don't be like those people who serve Hashem just for the sake of reward, but the focus here isn't on the reward issue as much as life. There's short-term and long-term. And most people understand that long-term is more important than short-term. Life in this world, everything about life in this world is short-term. Torah and mitzvahs is long-term. So again, I, I'm, 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 I know that there are short-term goals. I know that I have to eat, I have to drink, I have to breathe, I have to clean my glasses. I should, but I know that more and much more important is my, my long-term goal, being, being zeichah to be part of eternity. And by a person having this mindset, with this in mind, this is how a person will really succeed in fulfilling the Torah and its mitzvahs. Because when a person holds on to this zikoron very well, this consciousness, and the person's brain is connected to the future world, and they remember, they always remember this, they never forget. And therefore, when something goes wrong in this world, they don't get overly upset because it's, it's only in this world. A car broke there, this happened, that happened. It's not the end of the world. A, a car is useful, there are good things, but this, my, my life isn't focused around my car or my house or my vacation or my vi- or all of these things. And a person really has this consciousness about the future world. That person definitely will not be focused on the materialistic, physical desires of a heart. And that person will definitely focus on, on Torah and mitzvahs throughout their entire life. And this is why the main focus in teaching Torah is the boys. Because the boys are this Bechina of Zohar, Zikorim. They are the ones who represent this Zikorim. He av Sholim, Loihi Niach Bishvil Zeben Zohar, Al Shepogam Bazikorim. Because Rabbeinus Al shows us there that Av Sholim did not have a son because he was Pogim in this Zikorim. Mimza, Sheben Zohar, Hu Bechina Zikorim. And therefore, a son, the male children, are the ones more connected to this zikaroim 
Therefore, the main obligation on the father is to be teaching the son's Torah. Because the Torah is this Zikoron. And therefore the father has to in- infuse the Torah, which is Zikoroin, which is this uh, connect, connecting my mind to the future world, to, to, enla- to teach that to his male children, to his son, who is also Zikoroin. That's the connection, Zikoroin to Zikoroin. Here again, danger, danger. Somebody in the chat is asking a question. Sounds from the Likuti Alochas here that girls do not need to remember Almadasi since the Zikoran comes from the Torah that's not taught to daughters. Could we please clarify? If, if you're looking for trouble, you're going to find it. Chas Vishon. Rav Zal is not a male chauvinist. And, and he's a very major advocate of having daughters and getting married to women, v'chulu, v'chulu, etc. However, he's giving us authentic Orthodox Judaism. He's not changing. There, there are certain modern teachers who, who modify, who change the Torah to adapt it to today's culture, to feminism, or to pluralism, to shtuyotism, all kinds of stupidity, and, and, and sheker. And Rav Nosenzal isn't doing that. He, however, he's assuming he's dealing with people who are either knowledgeable, or if they're not knowledgeable, they're not just reading the book by themselves and drawing their own conclusions. If a person has the knowledge, the right knowledge, then they know how to interpret this correctly. If they don't, it's extremely important they're learning from somebody who does know. Rav Nosenzal here is focusing on a particular slant in the Torah, that when it comes to a certain major, major part of the Torah, that is slanted more towards the males than the females. Even there, there were some rare exceptions. Bruria, the wife of Rabbi Meir, the Gemara gives a few examples of certain women whom the rabbis would go to them to know the, the maid, sir. The Gemara says there were certain questions that the rabbis didn't know the answer, and they went to the maid of, of Rabbi Yehuda Anasi, and she gave the answer. She told him what the answer was. However, on a certain standard level, the Torah teaches us that when it comes to halacha, when it comes to yira shamayim, when it comes to emuna, there, in many cases, the women are more important, extremely important. However, when it comes to Gemara, and, and the, the, as, the facets of Gemara, the, the depth, the shakla, the tari, and the gamar, and those kind of things, there, if women are taught that, and if they're learning that, it's going to harm, it could do harm, major harm to them, other than the very, very, very extremely rare exceptions where it won't harm them. And Rav Nassar right now is giving us that picture. This doesn't, he's not saying here that the men are more important than the women, because there's a pasik in the chumish, that says differently. When it came to Hashem giving the Torah to the Jewish people, it says, This is what you should say to the women, 
and say to the men, the women are put first. And Rashi and the Gemara tells why the women first, because they're the ones who start off the chinuch of the children. So Rav Nosenzal obviously doesn't disagree with them, but it's impossible on every page for a, a rabbi to include all the details and all the facets. And therefore, you have to be very careful depending on what you're looking for. If you're searching for the MS for real, then you'll read things. And if you don't understand something, you'll ask, which, which is perfectly okay. But chas v'shalom, if a person is going with the wrong attitude, then it's possible to misinterpret, you know, to come up with the wrong conclusions. Question about the custom of eating matzah on Pesach Sheni. The answer is that generally it's done during the day, which is today. Today is Pesach Sheni. If a person has bad teeth or gums and eating matzah is difficult, should they still make the effort? The answer is if they can. Or to break it up a little bit, it is an important custom. It is a, an important item if a person can. And we've we've discussed on our website. We have shurim on Pesach Sheni. There's two places in Likud Halachas. Rav gives a beautiful, beautiful insight that Pesach Sheni and and other people have picked up on it also. But once again, the way Rav Zal explains it is just incredible. That Pesach Sheni teaches us this concept of second chance, second chance, that those Jews who couldn't bring the carbon Pesach on the proper time, that Hashem gives a second chance. Hashem doesn't give up on us. Everything isn't lost. And all of us should be zeichet to use our second chance. Every day that we, we're, we're coming, we're born again. We wake up in the morning. Today is a second chance. Today I can try to correct, to do better than I did yesterday to try to avoid some of the mistakes I made yesterday and to try to do more positive things. Wishing everybody a wonderful Shabbos. Again, I, I apologize a little that we will not have this year Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, but it's for a very good reason. It involves Lag Boimer, groups of people that are coming from Chutzlaretz, Teretz Yisrael. I hope that the, the every facet involved in celebrating Lag Boimer Will, will accomplish the same and more as our, our learning the Likuti Alochas and all of us will get the awesome benefits of connecting to Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechoyzal and to all the tzaddikim. Bizrachet to the Gula Shlema. Amen.